This morning, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles uh, to the book of Deuteronomy. And as we do that, uh, junior church class, you guys are dismissed to head downstairs, please. Um, uh, just as a reminder, we do have a Sunday school junior church uh, uh, worker meeting uh, next uh, Sunday after the main service. So just to keep that in mind. But uh, um, as they head out, let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Uh, one of the things that I always think about at the beginning of every year is, uh, you know, what does the Lord want us to kind of accomplish as believers? Not necessarily as a congregation, but uh, what does the Lord want me to work on in my life? And what does the Lord want us as believers to work on and uh, to to improve, to uh, maybe do better, uh, maybe to uh, in- increase our faith sometimes, maybe it's to, uh, you know, develop more trust, things of that nature. And as, as I look at the comparison of stuff that is happening now in the world today and what God writes about the last times, there's always been one of those things that just kind of sticks out and, and, and is the disobedience that goes on. And as I was thinking about this message, I was reading over Deuteronomy. I made some notes some time ago. The Lord kind of just kind of kept impressing this upon my heart. Uh, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, there's something that is very, very much a principle of God. And if I had to title this message, I guess I would call it the principle of God's provision. The principle of God's provision. Um, you know, God provides for all of us in a very, very, very unique ways. He, he provides for us in very basic ways as well. Uh, we all have the ability to breathe air. Praise the Lord for that. He's uh, we're here. Why? Because he holds us together. That's a provision of God. Um, there's things that we've been provided for individually that the Lord has answered prayers, uh, in, in, in all of our lives. If we sit back and look at it, how the Lord has taken care of us and how the Lord has continued to give and, and just sometimes in physical senses, but most of the time it should be in a spiritual sense. And, and, and we have a tendency sometimes to look at the physical, and we're going to look at a physical thing here, but there's very much a spiritual application for us as believers when we look at this passage. And in Deuteronomy chapter 11, I want to begin here at uh, right around verse 8. In verse 8, uh, it says, Therefore ye shall keep all the commandments which I command you this day. This is Moses talking to the Israelites, to the Hebrew children, this new generation that was getting ready to go in and take the land, possess the land. The previous generation had died off in the wilderness. Uh, uh, the Lord had taken care of them during this period of time. You know, clothes not wearing out, shoes not wearing out. Just amazing things that the Lord had done for them, providing food in the form of manna and, and quail and giving them water all throughout these things. Uh, the Lord has done this, but he says to this group, this is where uh, uh, Moses is saying, Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong, and go in and possess the land, whether ye go to possess it. And that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. Uh, for the land, whither thou goest to possess it, is not uh, the land of Egypt from when she came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. The land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. I will send grass in the fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat, uh, that thou mayest eat, uh, mayest, excuse me, eat and be full. 
Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and uh, he shut up the heaven and there uh, there be no rain, that the land yield not her fruit unless ye perish quickly from off the uh, off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall you lay up these words in your, these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes and ye shall teach them to your children speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way when thou liest down when thou risest up thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the heaven, as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I give you, to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will I the Lord, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Let's pray really quickly. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us and given to us. Pray that this time, Lord, would be used to honor you and please you and glorify you as we intently listen to what your word has for us and the principles that we see herein. Lord, I pray you just uh, work in our hearts that it would be soft and fur, uh, uh, just uh, uh, the, the furrows plowed up, Lord, that we would receive your word and uh, uh, receive it with joy and gladness. That, Lord, we would take these things and use them this year, Lord, to please you and to honor you. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. Pray you be with me in my mouth, my words, my mind, Lord, that it would all glorify and honor and praise you. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. What we find here is we find a principle of God's provision that he gives to the nation of Israel. He gives them a very specific uh, uh, you know, commandments here that obviously we can't necessarily apply to us in a physical sense because we're not called to go in and possess the land of Israel. That's not for us as the body of Christ. We have other, other promises that are given to us, other, uh, uh, inheritances, not those of the nation of Israel. Those belong to them. Those are given to them. Uh, God is not repentant about it and taking them away. He is going to continue to give them what uh, he has promised to do for them. We need to keep that in mind. But when we see this, we see that there's a principle that's behind all of this. And what this principle is, is about the character of God and how he takes care of things and how he deals with Israel in this passage. Uh, but we kind of know the accounts. We know what happens here. Here they are in Deuteronomy, and it's not too far into the book of Judges. We find them going and doing that which is right in their own eyes, not following the commandments of God. We see throughout their history with the kings and what goes on there and the abominations that they committed against God and against his word and the end result of captivity and where they are today. You take a look at that land over there. It's not necessarily a land flowing with milk and honey. There's a lot of little scrub brush and uh, desert and uh, uh, just some kind of not not the garden spot of the world that it's supposed to be. It's not what God intended it to be. I, I can't even begin to imagine what Israel would look like if Israel had followed through with this. Now, one day we'll see that and praise the Lord for it. We'll be able to see what that land was intended to be. When Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning, but right now it's not that. There's a lot of labor that's there. There's a lot of problems that are there because Israel didn't follow through what they were supposed to do. They didn't drive out the inhabitants. There are a lot of nations that are mightier than them. They didn't go in and possess them. I mean, they're having a hard time right now with uh, what's going on over there with the, the Palestinians and all of the nations that are surrounding them and the UN and all the condemnation and all these things that are that are happening and going on that are very relevant to today but all of that is because of Israel's disobedience let's just be honest with that 
There are consequences to those disobedient actions that we do. We see that with the nation of Israel. We should need to understand that principle in our own lives. But here we are, we're, we're talking about the principles of the character of who God is and how he provides and how he cares for us and what he does. And then we think about this and, and, and I want you to note that, that he says that he cares for the year, he cares for the land and he does that, as he says, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Year to year, God has always cared for and watched out with the nation of Israel for that land. That is a special land for those people. It's a special land for God because his eyes are upon it. But what we see here is we see this principle that is being given. And it, 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 it's obviously one that they failed in. The nation of Israel, they failed to be obedient. They failed to keep the Lord's commandments. And, and, and we can kind of, if you will, glean a truth from this that shows us what happens when we believe God at his word and we trust him to do what God does. Take a look at verse 8 here in this passage. We find that he says there, ye shall keep all the, therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong. Just a little bit of some principles that we see here about what, what, what obedience is like. If you obey God, you will be strong in your Christian life. Amen. If you're disobedient, you're going to be weak. Yeah. That's just the way it is. That's a principle. That's a principle that cannot be ignored in our Christian life. If you want to be a strong Christian, a strong in your faith, strong in the belief of what God says, you need to be obedient to what God tells us, tells you to do, tells me to do. That's what I, in order to, to increase that trust, I need to be obedient to what he tells me that I have to do on a day to day basis. The longevity that we see in verse 9 here, where he talks about uh, the days in that land, was all based upon their obedience. Their obedience. We know that one of the greatest principles that is taught throughout all of Scripture is honor your father and mother that your days may be long. And, and we see it that he gives it to the nation of Israel. It says that the days may be long upon the land. But then it's quoted over there again, over in the New Testament, as for us as believers, not that we're inheriting any land, but that obviously it's as he says, that first commandment with a promise that's attached to it. i tell you this, a person that does not honor their parents is not long for this world. That's a scriptural principle. That's a scriptural principle. Give you an example. The parents care for the child, they raise the child, they raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Uh, child gets to a certain age and decides he's going to go do whatever he wants to do. Uh, rather than honoring the parents and honoring what they have taught him and honoring uh, all of those things that the Lord has instructed them, he says, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to live my own life, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Uh, I don't necessarily need you as parents, I don't need your, 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 your principles, I don't need your guidance, and goes off and he does something stupid and he, you know gets himself into some serious trouble. Give you an example, how many teenagers do we see dying from auto accidents because they decide to go out and race their vehicles? The parents warn them and say, you know, obey the speed limit. It's there for your safety. It's there for your reason. And they go off and they say, no, I don't need to do that. And they go on and do something ridiculous, go at high rates of speed and think that they're invincible right up into the point of where they meet a, a brick wall or a concrete barrier or another vehicle. The days are not long upon the land, are they? How many teenagers do we see uh, dying from uh, high suicide rates? Because they don't listen to their parents. They don't honor them. They don't go to their parents and say, I'm struggling with my thought life. I'm struggling with what's going on. I'm struggling with my heart. Help me. We see far too many of them take their lives because of that. Far too many of them. 
Now, let's be honest. You know what demographic actually has some of the highest suicide rates? Middle-aged men. I see a lot of people trying to portray suicide as a female thing, and it's solely that, and then men are strong. No, 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 men are weaker. And let's just be honest, the age is from about uh, uh, 25 to the age is about 55 is when most men take their own lives. And it's sad. Sad to realize that. The days aren't long. Maybe they didn't listen to what their parents told them. Maybe they didn't listen to what, what Scripture had been taught to them. But there's an honoring part. That longevity is a result of obedience to God. Take a look at verse 10 here. He says uh, uh, very clearly in this passage uh, uh, that, 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 that this land that they were getting ready to go to possess wasn't like the land that they just came out of, Egypt. It, it was very different. You know how they kept the land of Egypt? Anybody ever here been to Egypt? If you if you haven't been to Egypt, let me go ahead and give you an idea of what Egypt is like. Hot and sandy and not a lot of greenery. And it smells. That that's that that's kind of what it's like. I knew a pastor friend that he went over to Egypt and he was so excited he was going to partake of some of their food. He was looking forward to it. Sits down and he grabs the bread and he starts eating it. And he goes, man, this bread is amazing bread. He says, I love the fact that they've included raisins into this bread. It is really good. And and and, and the guy that was there with him said, that, that those aren't raisins. They were flies. They got cooked into the bread. Yeah, he was enjoying fly bread. That's Egypt, okay? <laughs> Egypt throughout scripture is always portrayed as a type of the world and a type of the flesh, okay? And he says in order to do, you know, to, to, if you will, keep crops and to keep things growing over there, what did they have to do? They had to go and pull the water out of the Nile, hike it across the sand and irrigate and do all of those things to try to water the land. God said, that's not, you're not going to have to do that. You're not going to have to labor that way. You're not going to have to do all those things in your own flesh. I'm going to provide for you. Your way that the water is going to happen is it's going to rain and I'm going to grow that land. I'm going to do that for you, Israel. You don't have to work as hard. You know, it's a lot easier to obey than it is to disobey. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. Obedience isn't hard. We like to think it's hard. It's not. Obedience makes your life easier. Obedience to God makes your life easier. You don't have to deal with a lot of consequences. You ever deal with your own consequences before? That you caused at your own hand? Everybody in here should testify and say amen. Because <laughs> we've all done it. But as we look at this, we see that God says this place wasn't going to be dependent upon their feeble strength and, if you will, their own flesh. And here he's beginning to instruct them. And as you look here very clearly in in, in this uh, uh, in verse 11, he talks about this going to be the rain of heaven that comes down. He begins to instruct him of God's provision and how God's provision is going to take care of them. God's going to handle it. God's going to water the earth. God's going to take care of that land. All they have to do is just simply obey what God tells them to do, to love the Lord thy God and to serve him with all their heart and soul. And if you will, just keep those commandments. That's all they had to do. God would take care of the rest. God would take care of the rest. 
And, and when we look at that and we notice God's watchful eyes in verse 12, and we notice that this is all again going to bring about the fruitfulness in there, we see this principle that begins to develop that God's teaching us. That he was teaching the nation of Israel. Something that we can apply today. You know, Moses directed him to look to God. Not to look to their own flesh, but to look to, 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 to God for the provision. The one who gives the, the rain and the land. The one who brings about the fruitful seasons that are here. Over in Acts chapter 14, it's clear that, and if you turn there just really quickly to Acts chapter 14, and take a look at verse 17, we find that this is a principle that's even mentioned in the New Testament that is acknowledged that God took care of them, that God handles those things. In Acts chapter 14, take a look at verse 17, Acts chapter 14, verse 17, it says, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and he gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Here's this message that's being preached and, and the, 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 he's pointing back, the speaker's pointing back and saying, look at what God has done for us. Look at how God is taking care of us. Look at the fruit that God has brought forth in our lives. Look at the good that he has done for us with his provision. Take a look at the book of Hosea, if you will. Turn to the book of Hosea, and specifically in Hosea chapter 14. You find the book of Daniel, you'll find Hosea right after it. In Hosea chapter 14 and verse 5, there's a call for Israel to return to the Lord And he says what he's going to do in verse 4 is he's going to heal their backsliding. He will love them freely. Uh, His anger is going to be turned away. But in verse 5 is where I want to get at it. He says, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. He says, I'm going to be their dew. I'm going to be the one that waters them. I'm going to be the one that takes care of them. I'm going to be the one that helps them grow. I'm going to be the one that does all of that. The Lord said that I was going to be his responsibility. His responsibility. He promised them that. And I want you to note this principle. You know, and think about this just for a moment as we kind of progress a little bit further in this thought going back to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11. But, but think about this. The, 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 these blessings that they're receiving, you know what happens? When we start looking at the blessings of God, they're going to bring you comfort. They're going to bring a comfort, and if you will, a gladness that surpasses anything that you can provide for yourself. That surpasses anything that the world could ever try to provide for you. God's blessings and God's provision is so much greater and, if you will, sweeter than anything that anyone else has to offer. And God's saying, I will bless you to Israel. I will bless you. And you'll receive blessings if you just simply be obedient. Just obey. And it's not that hard to do. It wasn't that hard. And we take a look at this and we begin to notice this principle that God has laid out. A principle of who God is. A principle of what he teaches us as believers. And it's this. This is a principle, a principle, if you will, of, of, of realization. Re- revelation, if you will. The, the closer 
independence to God that we are, the closer that dependence upon God is in our life, the more we're going to be obedient to him. The more we realize how much God is important in our life, the easier it becomes, and if you will, the more cheerful it becomes to obey him. I want you to think about this for a moment. As God continues to provide for us over and over and over and over again, and his mercies and his His provision and his goodness towards us, it becomes very clear we need that in our life. We need that. We need the Bible in our life. We need the Holy Spirit. We, we need God working in our lives daily. We need those things. And again, as I was mentioning a little bit this morning in Sunday school, God never made man to be without God. God made man to, to, to not be independent. This whole concept of being independent person is actually contrary to God and is a humanistic mindset, okay? Let's get that straight. We are designed and created to be wholly dependent upon God. He's the one that holds you together. Physically. It's the little word of God that holds you together. If God said one day, I'm done, and just let your atoms fly apart and you explode into a little nuclear reaction, he could do that. There is that potential there. But God's the one that keeps you together. If he can physically keep you together, do you think he can keep you together mentally? Oh, absolutely. Think he can keep you together spiritually and emotionally? Absolutely. The more dependent upon God we become, the greater we realize, hey, I need to obey him more in my life. It's a direct result of the provision of God. You realize that that one of the, the, the methods that God uses to communicate salvation to us is his goodness? Doesn't the Bible say that it is the goodness of God that brings men to repentance? It's the goodness of God. Not a heavy hand of punishment necessarily, but I'll tell you this, he brings goodness into a person's life and a person realizes, man, I need God. I need God. And sees how great God is and what he gives and what he does. Realize that was the principle with the nation of Israel and how they would use that to, if you will, evangelize the Gentile nations. That they would be able to see, uh, the Gentiles would be able to see what God was doing with the Jews. Now, how do we know this? Because one of their very first, if you will, excursions into the land, they see a family that understands and acknowledges that exact principle. God has blessed Israel. I don't want to be against the God of Israel. And Rahab, who was a harlot, chose God. She was a Canaanite. You realize all those those the, the, those people that were, if you will, uh, being pushed out of the land, if they just simply obeyed what God told them to do, and they had, if you will, a desire to do the things that God told them to do, that there would be a very different response, much like that of the one of Nineveh. If they heard the word of God and they changed, there would have been a difference. But the principle that we're looking at this morning is the realization of the close dependence that we need upon God. That without him, we're, we're struggling. 
Without him, we're carrying our own water. When God could be the one that provides it for us. We're doing things of our own flesh. We're doing things of our own labor. When God says, you don't have to do it that way. And therein we see this application. We see this application that God says here, if we're diligent in God's word, and this is what he begins to say as he starts talking through this, he starts talking through all this passage that we read, and in verse 22, back over in Deuteronomy 11, he says, for if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to cleave unto him, he says, this is what's going to happen. God gave a promise. And the promise is still true today. Not in the form of a physical things, but if you want victory in your life, you want victory, if you will, in your emotional life, you want victory in your mental life, you want victory in your spiritual life, then then, then you have got to love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and value his word as important in that you would obey it. So often people will say, well, I value the Bible. The Bible's important. The Bible's an important word, you know, book and, and the, the Bible's important to me. If it is so important to us, then why don't we do it? Why don't we follow his will? Why? Because we'd rather carry our own water. I mean, he said that over there in verse 10. He says, he says, from when she came out, you know, the land of Egypt, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest with thy foot. What does it mean? You had to carry water. You wanted to, you want to water something in the desert, you got to bring the water to it. The water isn't just going to show up. And I'll tell you this, if you're, if you're wanting to live in the world, you're wanting to live in the flesh, you're wanting to live, if you will, in Egypt, you're going to have to do all the work. Anybody ever hear that phrase, work smarter, not harder? And sometimes we look at people and we, 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 we question their intelligence because they're, they're working too hard when something could be easily done. I mean, as an example, some guy's trying to lift these, you know, you get three or four guys, one on each corner of the pallet, and they're trying to lift this pallet and they're trying to get it into position. And there's a forklift driver right over there and he's certified and he knows exactly how to do it. And he's just waiting for them to tell them, Hey, we need some help with this. Wouldn't that be the smart way to do it? Have the forklift driver lift the load? Then get a bunch of guys trying to lift that thing? That makes more sense, doesn't it? Well, if that makes sense, then it makes sense that we would allow God to do the heavy lifting in our lives. God said he was going to keep an eye on the land from from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, and he was going to take care of it and handle it as long as Israel just did what they were needed to do, which was obey. And I'll tell you, the same is true in our life as Christians. Why do we worry about a lot of things? Because we're trying to do it ourselves. Because we're trying to do it in our own strength, in our own flesh. Well, in verse 8, he already clarified that the strength is going to come from the obedience to God. And here he's clarifying, why are you going to carry your own water when I'm going to provide it for you? All I need you to do is just simply do my will. Just simply obey. Just simply be righteous. Just simply be holy. Just simply choose to live a godly life and follow after those things. I will take care of the rest for you. Do you know how hard it is to live a life without Christ? I can't even begin to comprehend it. There was a time in my life that I was like, well, you know, I was kind of, 
if you will, done with church, had been burned so many times before. And I was just, I, yeah, I was just, I was sick of the whole thing. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to do those things or anything of that nature. I figured, you know, I'll just, you know, I, I've got a, I've got a thing, you know, I, I'm saved. I'm fine. I'm just going to live my own life. Man, that took me to a really dark place that I don't ever want to go back. It took me to a place that I found exactly what I'm capable of doing. And today, I will tell you this, it scares the living daylights out of me, knowing that. Because I thought I could do everything on my own. I thought I could carry my own water. And God says, no, if you just obey, I'll take care of your life. I'll take care of the fruitfulness. I'll take care of the provision. I'll sustain you. I'll help you. I'll give you the victories. I will do those things for you. The application that we see here, Christian, is this, is if we're diligent in God's word, in faith, in obedience to him, in keeping the word of God in our hearts, and, 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 and if you will, to do his will, God will take care of the details. God will handle the things. You know, we live in a day and age where people are just so concerned about the environment. And they're trying to make a huge change in the environment. Why? Because they notice that the earth is not really favorable to them. Let's just be honest. No, the earth is not going to be favorable to a bunch of people that are living against God's will. If the land was going to spew the Israelites out, what do you think the whole earth is going to do when it's filled with violence and filled with iniquity and filth? If the rocks would cry out and declare the glory of Christ, what do you think the world is going to do? And they wonder why we've got all these things happening and all this stuff going on. It's, it's because the world, you know, honestly doesn't want people that are unbelievers. That's a hard concept to kind of grasp, isn't it? But I'll tell you this. The reason why we have climate problems and the reason why all these people are trying to, you know, trying to do these things is because we've got sin. Why do we have issues with the climates that we have? Because sin was introduced into the garden. That's why. And then man's sitting there and they're fruitlessly trying to take care of it. And, 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 and we've got, you know, children berating leaders. We've got all these people thinking they know how to do this and how to handle this. And they're fearing that in about 10 to 12 years, that the earth will become, uh, you know, uh, uh, uninhabitable and so on and so forth, when they fail to realize that God said that there's always going to be a a seed time and a harvest. God's going to take care of that. The seasons aren't going to end. God is going to continue to handle that. That's God's promise, up until the point where he he burns the earth with fire. (laughs) Then things change. Then we have real, true global warming. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, it all comes down to whether or not we're going to be obedient. There's repercussions for this disobedience. God's going to take care of the details and handle all those things that we can't handle. How can man begin to expect to, if you will, do anything with the climate, you know, with all the carbon footprints and reduce this and reduce that? Okay, let's get away, get, you know, remove all of these uh, internal combustion engines. Let's all use electricity. But how are we going to fund the electricity or not fund, but, but get electricity? Well, we need coal, which produces a lot more, or we need to, you know, mine these, uh, you know, if you will, scar the earth, you know, digging up lithium and so on and so forth. 
back and forth, all these things. They think they're trying to do what's better for the earth. Honestly, what they need to do is they all need to just turn to Jesus. We know what's going to happen in the end. We know what's going to happen in the end. Often is the case in our Christian lives, we often try to do the labor that's God's area of responsibility. We try to handle it. And God said, you know what? That land isn't going to be like the other one. You're going to have rest. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ there is rest. He's called the Lord of the Sabbath. Why is that? Because the Sabbath was rest. He didn't repeat keeping the Sabbath. Why? Because he is that rest. He is the Sabbath, if you will. In him we find rest. In him we find a light and easy yoke and burden. Without him we find a lot harder life. A more difficult life. A more frustrating life. God says, I'm going to handle this. I'll make it simply grow. And I want to kind of put this into a Christian growth application. I don't think there's any Christian here today that would have enough goal to say, I don't want to grow in Christ. If you're a saved, born-again child of God, you should have a desire to grow. It's not, there's some checking in your heart you need to get taken care of. And if you want to grow in Christ, that means that you want to start doing His will. You want to start living a life that pleases God, not yourself. And I will tell you this, God will handle the maturing and the Christian growth in your life if you simply are obedient. He will reign the blessings spiritually in your life. I'm not talking about physical blessings here. I'm not talking prosperity theory, okay? I'm talking about in your spiritual life. He will provide that rain. He will provide that seed. He will provide everything that is necessary for you to grow in Christ. Why? Because over in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says it's God that gives the increase. Some plant, some water. God uses different people to do certain things in your life. But I will tell you this, it's God that gives the increase. It's God that gave the increase in the land here. It's God that will give you the increase in your spiritual life as you grow in Christ if you're obedient to him. If you keep his word. If you love the, if you love the Lord. If you walk in his ways. Walk in the Spirit, if you will. This is the principle we begin to see. Otherwise, you know what? We're going back to the flesh. We're going back to carrying our own water. We're going back to all those things. When God's told us He's going to handle the larger issues of life. In the grand scheme of things, let's really think about it. It's pretty simple to obey God. God says, flee certain sins. You run away from it. God says, don't do this. You don't do that. God says, do this. You do that. When you're doing that, you won't do this. Right? I mean, those are simple things. In the grand scheme of things, can you make it rain? Have you ever been able to, to, to go up to a plant and say grow and watch it grow? Not in the Stewart household. We kill plants. <laughs> Sometimes we have a tough time keeping cactus alive. But we start thinking and looking at this and going, well, I can't handle those things. 
Can I make the earth turn? Can I make the sun rise and set? Can I cause seasons to occur? Can I do things of that nature? No, I can't. Can I move the hearts of kings whithersoever I will? No, but God can. Can, can, can I, can I make a change in a person's life? No, I can't. I'll even acknowledge that in counseling. I'm, it's not me that makes any change in a person's life. It's Christ that makes the change through the word of God in the person's life. I'm just counseling them and here's, here's how you do it. I don't do anything. I'm just a blip. It's all it is. It's God that does the change. It's God that creates the new creature. It's God that gives the different heart and different desires and different mindset and begins to grow it. And all we simply have to be is to realize how dependent upon God we are and dependent upon His Word that we would just simply be in obedient to it. And, and, and again, Trust God rather than our own flesh. I want to close with this thought. Are we trusting God to handle the issues of life? Are we really trusting God to handle the issues of life? If we're trusting God to handle the issues of life we're going to actually reduce the amount of anxiety and fear we have. We're going to put it in the right perspective. Something comes up and we go, that's God's area of responsibility. He'll make it rain, not me. He'll take care of the growth, not me. He'll take care of the fruit, not me. I've got my narrow area of responsibility, and that's just simply to obey. To do his will. To please him. If I keep that in mind, then God will handle the big issues of life. Are we trusting God to handle the issues of life while we're simply being obedient to his word? Or have we found, as he points out here, some other idol, some other God, if you will, something else that comes up in our life that we think is going to handle it? I want you to think about this as we kind of, like I said, as we close, in verse 16 of Deuteronomy 11, he says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart not be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. You know what those other gods are going to make you do? They're going to make you work hard. They're going to make you work twice as hard. Why? Because they're not going to provide rest that God does. They're not going to provide peace like God does. They're not going to provide the contentment that God does. They're not going to provide the way God does. Because let's be honest, the, those idols, all they are, are just a figment of our own imagination. I carve something out of wood, stone, as he says in Jeremiah 10, plate it with gold and silver, deck it about with gold and silver. What did I do with the rest of the tree that that, that, that idol came out of? I cut it up and put it in the fire and burned it. I used it to warm myself. What did that idol do? Nothing. It was created by my own hands. And a lot of times we create our own idols in our own life. And I will tell you this, we create more work for ourselves. 2024, what I would love for all of us as Christians to do is to realize how dependent upon God we are for His provision, for His growth, for, for, for His care. 
that from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, that we would trust God to handle those issues. And for us to simply, as he says here, diligently keep all his commandments, to love the Lord, and to walk in his ways. We just do that little simple thing. God will handle the rest. Do we trust him enough to do that in 2024? Let's prayerfully consider it and seek to do it. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time that you've given to us this this day. And Lord, I want to thank you for just continuing to show us, Lord, the need for you in our life every single day. How dependent upon you we are. And Lord, I pray that we as believers would understand that. That we wouldn't go back to Egypt and carry about our own things, but Lord, that we would rely on you and trust you. You'll handle it. You'll handle it in your time. You'll handle it your way. Lord, we just simply need to be diligent and obedient to you. I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here today that has not come to the conclusion and the realization about the need for you as a Savior in their life, I pray that they would do that this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would show them that they need forgiveness because they have a hard time even forgiving themselves. But, Lord, your forgiveness is so great and so pure and so so vast that you forgive the worst of us because of your love that you demonstrated upon the cross. Lord, I pray that you would just work in their hearts and they'd realize how much they need you. And as your word says, that they would just be obedient to the gospel. They would call upon you. They would believe in you. That, Lord, they would have that salvation and eternal life that only comes by you. Thank you again, Lord, for all you've done for us. Pray that we'll consider these things. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn. And if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, I would like to ask you to just come. Somebody will just show you what it means to trust Jesus as your Savior. Uh, don't, Don't wait, don't delay. Because if there's one thing I know is we can't provide our own salvation. God provided on the cross of Calvary and the power of his resurrection. We don't need anything else. Because there is no other God and there is no idol that can save you. Only Jesus Christ can. Would you come while we sing?